Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In case you haven't realized, there's a big trip coming up this week for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're taking on the Minnesota Wild and the Detroit Red Wings. So we had to get some context from the Minnesota side. And we did that with our friends over at the Locked On Minnesota Wild podcast. It's right here. Our friend Seth Topal. How you doing, my buddy? Fellas, doing great. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, excited that, honestly, at this point in the season, it feels like there's nothing that the Wilds could use more than a week off. And so uh, happy to be here to uh, to celebrate that as we gear up for the games this weekend. Absolutely. Yeah, no, hey, listen, some time away always makes the, uh, the heart grow fonder, right? That's the saying, absence makes the heart grow fonder. So maybe it will for Minnesota Wild fans. And, of course, maybe they'll forget their bad game on North American soil and bring some good game over to Sweden. But I want to ask right now, Locked On Wild, your show, how did you get involved with Locked On Wild? How's it going? And is there any shots you want to take in any other Locked On counterparts? You know, it's funny because um, I actually do not have a hockey background. And so um, I have I've been around sports for a long time. And have covered, you know, the Vikings, the Twins, the Timberwolves in various outlets um, for the last handful of years. And I don't know, I just always was kind of intrigued by hockey to the point that um, I was friends with the host of Locked on Twins at the time. And Locked on Wild was looking for a host. And so he threw my name out there. And uh, sure enough, I was asked if I was interested. And I'm like you know what let's do it let's uh let's give it a shot and see if it's uh it's something that works out and it's been uh i started in march of 2021 and uh it has been just amazing to see how things have grown and uh getting to where you have like a tried and true audience that listens every day that gets the comment section rolling Anytime you go live you've got your your core group of people that are are there every time it's a lot of fun to have people that uh, that take the time to tune in every single day. Sometimes it's a challenge to come up with content on a daily basis, but honestly, I feel like it just gives such a good pulse into what's going on with the team and allows you to attack what's going on from so many different ways. I, I love it. 
I love the challenge of trying to come up with things to uh, to talk about on a daily basis. That's awesome. And no better way to uh, learn about hockey in the, in the state of hockey. So, yeah, most definitely. It just has, it has forced me to be really on my game because you can't BS hockey fans. No, nope. they know their stuff nope. to the point that if you try to throw something at them that isn't going to work, they'll, they'll, they'll let you know. You. They'll yeah. let you know. So that's yeah. it's it's been a blast. And I, I couldn't envision myself doing anything else. Um, it's just it's been so much fun, even even though this year the uh, the record hasn't been what we'd hoped it would be. Honestly, that uh, that leads to more engagement with fans. And so I'm I'm here for it. Well, let's get into that. What are your thoughts on the Wild so far this season? Um, I know it's not sunshine and rainbows right now, but um, give us your take. Give us the Seth locked on take right here. Well, how much time do we have? <laughs> the floor is yours, my friend. Like it's, it's, um, it has, it's funny because this mirrors so much what we saw last season, but it feels like it's been stretched out over a longer period of time. Everybody had the digestible bit last year of the 0-3 start in which the Wild gave up 20 goals. That was just the first three games of the season were about as bad as you can get. But the team was able to right the ship after that. They got the defense back on track, and they got the goaltending. They had maybe one of the better goalie tandems in the entire NHL last year, and it just covered up so many of these things that are still issues here this season. And I think we see a perfect example of what happens when you don't get that good goalie play is – it just it turns the penalty kill into essentially an automatic goal for the opponent, and it just leads to playing catch up so much that this team has. I think they have trailed in ten of the fifteen games so far uh, by multiple goals, and so you're trying to climb out of deep, deep holes every single game, and you're just not constructed in a way in which that is something that you can do. That's more 2021, 2022. This team's just not geared up to make those multi-goal comebacks. And so the thing that was, I think, the biggest strength of the team last year is arguably its biggest weakness this year. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. No, I, I, I kind of see Minnesota as, um, and I don't mean this in an offensive way, as the Western Islanders, if that makes any sense. Like how they play is, we win games by one or two goals. We don't win games by a landslide. And you don't have too much depth for scoring. So um, when the goalies come up big, they come up big. Obviously, you don't have that superstar goalie, but you guys have reliable goalies when when they are on. And your defense is, is when are when they are good, they, they are good. Um, and, and I just see that as, as the biggest comparison, I, I, in my opinion, obviously. I think that's a spot on take is that this is a team that plays a slow style. They don't have a ton of speed on this team. You've got guys that can provide speed, but overall you don't have a ton of speed as a team. And so you have to win these kind of slow methodical games, which is why I think they beat the Islanders is because they're like, Hey, we play the exact same style. So let's just execute it better than they do. And uh, they were able to come away with the win. But a team that is built on being physical and wearing down opponents, 
it presents problems if the other team is too fast for you to hit them. And we've seen a lot of that this year is that you've got guys that are going for hits, trying to make contact with opponents, and they just can't get there because teams are skating laps around them. And so it it is a problem where you have a massive speed disadvantage against a lot of teams that you're going to play. And it has led to them just getting stuck on their end of of the ice quite a bit. Um, which leads to multiple opportunities for opponents. Uh, there have been just limitless numbers of instances in which players seem to be caught watching while opponents drive the net and uh, and plant one in or just go up and grab a rebound untouched and, and smash it past the goalie. And so there are a lot of different problems that I think if they were just by themselves, you could probably overcome. If you were dealing with just one of these issues, you could overcome that and you could still have a pretty good season. But the fact that all like five of them are happening at once is just nightly too much for this team to overcome. Yeah. And, and like and like uh, James said, maybe this week off, it, it will be good for something like that. The boys can come together and and talk about these problems as a whole rather than uh, just trying to go day by day, um, practice by practice. Yeah. And trying to overcome them. Yeah. I and it's... You, sorry, Seth. I want to ask you about the two goaltenders that we're talking about this now. And what seems to be to you the difference? Obviously, some guys they come into maybe a little bit better shape, different things. You know, they change their regiment in the offseason. Um, you know, Gustman came on towards the end of last season, really turned it up, really showed off what he could be. Um, and you know, you want to replicate that as you come into this season. And maybe push Flurry down a little bit where he's not playing as much, but it's not seeming like maybe the uh, what is it the sword sharpening the sword sort of speaks here. They're they're not really getting each other going right. There's no fire under one's butt to play better because the other one's not playing better. Now both of them are down. So have you seen anything different in their tendencies or the game or anything like that? You know, being able to view this team on a day in day out basis. I think one of the things it seems like that has plagued Philip Gustafson so far this season is he's not as sharp with rebound control as he was last year. And that's a problem. Again, if we go back to that list of, of all these things that are going on, rebound control is a problem you can handle if it's by itself. If you have defensemen that are moving around that are really into what's going on, your goalie makes a save, but the puck is just kind of hanging out in front of the net. Your defenseman can go get it, but it seems like by and large, the Wild have not been able to get to those pucks, which leads to a lot of instances in which Philip Gustafson has sprawled out to try to make a save, but there's nobody there to help him. And so then if you're down on your stomach after trying to make a save and the puck is loose and somebody's able to just chip it past you, that's tough. And so I think that is kind of one of his issues. I also think... And this is something that happened with Marc-Andre Fleury last year, too. It seems like he's trying to anticipate what's coming as opposed to reacting to what is going on. It's like he's trying to get to the spot that he thinks the shot is going to come from as opposed to just waiting to see what the skater's going to do before he commits to a move. And I think that comes from a, a little bit of a, a confidence dip uh, from his numbers so far this season. So... If he can just get back to reacting to what's going on and just 
trying not to guess that next move as opposed to just playing what's actually happening. I think that'll help him out. But, you know, I think part of it also is that the league just now has a full season of film on him to yeah. uh, to look at things that he's doing, look at tendencies, and just try to come up with a game plan as to how to beat him on a consistent basis. And he hasn't really developed that counterpunch yet of, okay, teams are going to attack me you know, over the shoulder. Teams are going to try to tuck one in underneath my, my arm. He hasn't developed that counter to what teams are consistently doing to him this season yet which is something that it's going to take time to develop. But the fact that it seems like it's happening to both goalies and, you know, you've got Flurry out there who is just trying to kind of keep this team afloat. But it just it has just led to a situation in which you don't really even have one thing that you can point to for this team so far that they're really good at. It's just, okay, tonight the special teams were okay. The special teams didn't doom us. But the defense was bad. The defense was good the next night, but the offense couldn't come up with any chances. The offense was great, but the goalies couldn't get a save. It's like it seems like every night it's a different problem that just becomes too much to overcome. Well, one thing, too, we talk about uh, the defensive core here, Spurgeon coming back, obviously this team trying to gel together on the back end. Something that I do notice about the Minnesota Wild is they're fifth in the NHL in shots against as well. So the goalies are facing a lot of rubber, which if you're allowing a lot of shots through, it's a lot more chances for tips, redirects, all of those different things. And the old adage, I think it was Curtis Joseph, if you're going to get in the lane, block the shot or just get the hell out of the way. It was either him or Belfort here in Toronto. you know. So I'm looking at that shot total. I'm saying, man, if that comes down, that helps the goalies you know, exponentially. And you know, we had, I forget his name now, was on the show a long while ago. But he told, you know, a shot on goal is basically a failure of the defense because your defense is there to limit opportunities, limit chances, and your goalie should be your last line of defense. So if your goalie's facing the most rubber in the NHL or the fifth most rubber in the NHL, that's a bit of an issue on a night-in, night-out basis. And that's nothing to say about the Maple Leafs, who are only two spots beside the Minnesota Wild in that category. So we're allowing a lot of rubber on our goalies too. So, um, And I think the the frustrating part about that is that the shots allowed have spiked because of the inability to get off out of the defensive zone. It seems like every time the team tries to, you know, they, they stop the initial shot. Okay, let's regroup and let's push it up ice and get into the offensive zone. There just are turnovers at the top of the zone or along the boards that just lead to so many additional opportunities for opponents. You, you know, you're instead of giving up just one shot and turning away and going up the ice for your opportunity, you're giving up sometimes three or four shots. And with how the goalies have been playing, a lot of times those t- even two additional shots is enough to create an additional goal for the opponent which becomes a problem on a night-in-night basis. And if you're trying to get the confidence of your goaltenders rolling, if they're giving up that goal, it's deflating to them as well. And I can point right back to our team as well. Same thing. Ilya Samsonov, the Leafs would tie the game, and then they would give up the lead right away. Not even five minutes later. It was happening a whole bunch. Kind of calmed down this week, but it's something that we've seen a lot over here on this side of things too. Another player for me on your team that I'm wondering about is Kirill Kaprizov. I want to know from your perspective, obviously his game is not where he would like it to be or the team would like it to be. 
Um, obviously, that dash 11 sticks out like a Thor sum on the, uh, the Minnesota Wild. But he's got five goals so far. But you want a guy like that that you're juicing the contract for. Nine million sheets. Let's get her going here. And it's not going. And you got a guy like Hartman and guys above him, um, Ek, uh, Erickson Eck, scoring more points as well. So I'm wondering for you, what is it with Kaprizov? And is it just a slow start and he'll get going? Or is it just a maybe this is one of those seasons like McDavid this year or Matthews last year where he'll still have respectable numbers, but he won't have bona fide superstar numbers? Well, it's interesting because I would have gone with it's a slow start because he is a player who just seems to take a little while to get going. But then we had the news from earlier in the week that the Wild are going to be bringing in additional player to Sweden after Kaprizov had Monday's practice off for a maintenance day. As Coach Dean Evison said, he's a little banged up. And so the Wild do not know if he's even going to be able to play in Sweden, which leads me, which leads me to, okay, so it's either that he just never fully healed from the injury from last year or this is something new that has happened this season either way it seems pretty obvious that something is limiting him because you know michael russo the the gold standard for wild coverage here in minnesota has been pretty on point about him throughout the season he doesn't look like he has even you know a burst to get past opposing players he just cannot get separation on anybody so far this season which would lead you to believe that he is dealing with some sort of issue that is robbing him of that explosive speed that's his trademark because he just he can't separate from anybody and you know the turnovers is another thing I actually tried to in uh, Sunday's game I actually tried to keep track and I ended up just ripping up the piece of paper that I was using because there was too many that I'm like, I, I can't do this. I can't keep track of this over the course of a game. So he's clearly not right. But be that begs the question of if he isn't, if he is this wrong, why has he been trying to play through this for this long without um, yep. saying something and letting the team know, hey, I can't do this? I, he's he's a Russian. He's kind of hard nosed. Maybe he wishes that the gas was over here. <laughs> maybe. Wow. maybe maybe that's why he'll go to Sweden and he'll get somebody to fly over there from Russia. Uh, my 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 jokes are only uh, only kidding. Um, <laughs> Listen, Capio will get her going. I do think he will. I think it's yeah, the same no. thing like Matthews last year. He had something hampering him. Matthews did came out this beginning of this season that Matthews was playing with half a wrist for most of last year. So. Maybe there is something that's still hampering him and he just didn't fully take care of it. And yeah. it could be a thing that, hey, maybe if the season gets too far lost, and I don't hope it doesn't, by the way, we're only early, but maybe they do shut him down and get him healed up and ready to go for towards the end of the season to get his legs under him, and then he's back full next year. Um, we talked about the goaltending already, about both guys, Gustafson and Flurry, but we did hear they called up Jesper Wallstadt. And I mean... It's nothing crazy, but could yeah. he maybe get a start here in Sweden and maybe a little bit of a, oh, this is awesome, pick me up for the team, you know, maybe juice the boys up a little bit if he gets in between the pipes? You know, that would be, that side of that equation would be great, but here's what I worry about with Wallstead this season is yep. 
I worry if the team does call him up that the expectation is going to be that he can turn it around himself. Yeah. And so then at that point, you're laying a lot of pressure on an incredibly young player. I believe he's 21 right now. He's 20 right now. You're putting a lot of pressure on a guy's shoulders to come up to the NHL level for the first time and to suddenly be able to right the ship. And whether or not they intentionally put that on him or not, yeah, that's just kind of how things work is you call up a guy, okay, we called up a goalie. Our two main goalies are struggling. So this is going to be the guy that uh, that turns it around. And if he ends up having similar performances, then you have people who are saying, well, he's a bust. He'll never, he'll never work out at the NHL level. Yeah, that's the hard part. So at this point, honestly, I would much more prefer that they just ride it out with Flurry and Gustafson. If there's some sort of an injury that happens over the weekend and they do need to go to Wallstead, I'm I'm fine with that in that situation. But that is one of the things I think that Bill Guerin has done the best is not rushed players up to the NHL level. He was adamant last year that Marco Rossi was just going to stay at the Iowa level, do his thing. And look how that's worked out so far this season. He looks fantastic. He looks like a completely different player uh, at the NHL level. And so he is adamant that these guys get their requisite time in the AHL before they come up. Because I think he knows, too, that you may think you're ready, but there are going to be things that you see at this NHL level that you can't prepare for. And so you may as well get as much playing time and experience as you can in lower levels before you finally elevate. Yeah, I I mean, a lot of teams, you you get a feel-good story that is available to you. I mean, you let them play in Sweden, or you you make a big deal of it in Sweden, and maybe the boys rally around them. I get what you're saying, though. We we did it with a guy named Luke Shen here. We brought him up too quickly and shell-shocked the ever-living heck out of him, and he was never the guy that he was drafted to be when he should have went back, dominated, and grew his career that way. Uh, I, I can see what you're saying here about probably putting too much responsibility on a young man like that. So we'll see what Billy Guerin does. But uh, before we jump into Billy Guerin, let's jump into our friends over at DraftKings. They're partnered up with the Hockey Podcast Network, and we use the code THPN to get in there. But here's the best part. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. If you download the app and use the code THPN, new customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for your problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccp.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets are set to expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com sportsbook for eligibility and deposit restriction terms and responsible gambling resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. All right, so back into this year. Our friends at DraftKings, they partnered up with 
the Hockey Podcast Network. Check out the THPN. I got a dog laying on the couch right here who's having the Zoomy dreams. So it's very distracting watching him twitch and move around. So if you're wondering why I'm stumbling, I'm watching half the screen and then seeing his little ears and legs flick up over top of my laptop. So we'll talk about Billy Garrett making moves, though, and not my dog. Um, Garrett, is he going to make moves or is he going to ride it out this season? We know the big buyouts for Parise and Suter hang large over this team. It really does hamper the ability to make moves. We know Kalen Addison went to the Sharks. We know Zach Bogosian, who we loved here in Toronto, Mr. Bogo, is on your defense core now. But is there anything else bigger percolating that you think? Or is this squad what it is for this season? I think this is kind of what you got uh, at this point. It's just with those those cap hits, there isn't a ton of money to be able to work with. And not only are these guys pretty locked in, you've got a lot of players that have either no trade or no movement clauses on their contracts, which complicates moving anybody really at this point. And I mean, I, I talked about this actually earlier this week on Locked on Wild is that top nine is pretty much set for multiple seasons after this one. You know, you got that top line that's locked in for, I think, two years apiece at least uh, with Ryan Hartman, of course, signing the four-year extension. So he's got two years on top of that. You've got your uh, your second line. Those guys are all locked in for two-plus years. Third line, same story. So there's not really a lot of spots that you could put guys even. And, I mean, maybe they would end up considering – a um a move for a goalie if they absolutely had to but again you don't really have a spot to put those guys without pulling players off the uh off the current roster and freeing money up that way to uh to make moves and so i think at this point it's just kind of this group has to figure it out or this group is going to uh to ride the slow train all the way down to the bottom if they uh, continue to struggle in these certain areas that they have so far this year. Well, I mean, Max Celebrini doesn't look bad. Honestly, there are, there are perks to having a season. If you can find a way to be as bad as the San Jose Sharks or the Edmonton Oilers, there are certainly perks for uh, having a season like that. And so, I mean, if it would be a consolation for having the worst penalty kill in the history of the NHL, uh, I suppose that's I suppose that's the trade-off is you uh, you suffer through that type of a penalty kill for an entire season, and you get yourself a top three pick. But they're gonna have they're gonna have competition. I mean, San Jose is historically bad. Edmonton's off yeah. to a rough start, um, and there are a handful of other teams that are like, hey, don't forget about us. We're bad too. <laughs> <laughs> no, I look at. Uh... I look at Minnesota and I say, hang on for one second. The Maple Leafs gave you a run for their money uh, earlier this week, being the last team in the league on the penalty kill, actually surpassing the Minnesota Wild for last in the NHL, which is kind of scary given where the Maple Leafs want to be. Um, so we're not going to ride that train to the bottom ourselves yet. But I uh, want to. <laughs> just wanted to give you a little bit of uh, hope that the fact that it can be turned around and things can go up. Obviously, there is skill and talent on the Minnesota Wild. Spurgeon coming back. Obviously, things need to gel. Maybe it does calm down, and maybe a trip across the pond is just what the doctor ordered. Calm down the noise. Boys come together. You know, no family, no wives, no nothing. Just go play and have some fun. Except for the guys who are from over there, I guess. They're going to see a whole bunch more that they wouldn't usually see. <laughs> so, 
there's that aspect too, but maybe some down home cooking ain't a bad thing either. But we got the Leafs and Wild this weekend. What are your thoughts on this game? Do the Leafs have a lot to worry about here? I say the flower likes to show up and show out on games like this. Yeah, he does. A lot of eyeballs will be on this game. So I think he's really going to want to show up against a guy who's a hometown favorite and William Nylander. Well, it's funny because you see what happened against the Maple Leafs the first time these two teams matched up this year is if you if you look at just five on five, the Wild more than held their own. They yep. they were able to contend in that game. They were able to keep it close, and then their penalty kills just caved in for the 15th time this season. Um, and so it feels like a similar story for this matchup is that if they can just simply do the thing that they have not been able to do at any point yet this season, keep it five on five, you feel like they got a chance. The offense has not been as big of a problem as the defense and the goaltending have been. I think they're seventh in the NHL in scoring so far this year, but also second to last in goals allowed. So if they can just keep it five on five, not get that penalty kill overexposed, you got to feel like they, they have a chance to, uh, to keep this one close. But it's one of those things that I just have to continue to say until I actually see it happen. Um, yep. I'm just happy to uh, to see noted elite defenseman John Klingberg having a uh, huge role <laughs> with uh, with you guys up uh, up across across the way. Oh wait, uh, how's that? How fun is that so far for you? It doesn't taste good over here. That's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm of the adage that we need to retire the number three. Yes, so no other defenseman wears it because from Vanuf to Hall. Now to Klingberg, whoever has worn three has been a lightning rod and an absolute just pile on. Um, and, and Leafs Nation loved to pile on all the uh, criticism and complaints. Yes, I used the double entendre. Let's go. But I mean, um, the LTIR doesn't look bad. Hey, <laughs> I, I listen, tinfoil hat theory. I'm going to keep saying it every single time I get a chance. I'm putting it on. After Sweden, he goes on LTIR. They've already oh, started wow. to pave the road of the hip injury. They've already said, oh, you yeah, know, there's something wrong there. You know, he came back Saturday, looked okay, but he didn't practice today. So, you know, maybe guys, he's not feeling the greatest. That's what they're going to keep doing, and they did the same yeah. thing with other players, and every team does it. Next thing you know, he'll be in the press. Oh, he can't go, but he'll be around the bench. Oh, okay, well, we got to put him on LTIR. Yeah, by the way, guys, he's not coming back this season. Sorry. But uh, let's get a $4 million player because that's what we paid him. So I just – I. <clears throat> Why play defense if that's how you play play the game? <laughs> well, I think their hope was they were going to partner him with someone who was defensively sound, and they thought they were getting the Dallas version of John Klingberg, who was going to move the puck and make miraculous plays and set up your power play and really wheel and deal the puck, which the Leafs needed last year, by the way. And they thought that's what they were getting for their $4 million payment. And I mean, they're he- he can shoot the puck on the power play, which is nice, but he can't do anything yeah, right else. Right in the shin pads of other like, players. Even with that goal that I think it was uh, Timmy Stutzel uh, scored against him, he was just like, oh, it went behind me. Yeah. I'm going to watch this go in. And it's like he twisted his feet to like try and turn around a certain way, and he just like couldn't get it together. And I'm just like – Well, maybe there's legitimacy to the, the hip injury, right? Yeah. I don't know if you guys ever banged your hip on something, but if it's got a bruise or anything, the next couple of days are hard to turn that way for a little bit. So I couldn't imagine playing against, you know, 
what, 30 other guys who are smacking you all night long. Um, Michael Russo, I think it was on the Jeff Merrick show at, after last season was done. I'll never forget this. I, I was listening to a clip and he said, um, in regards to John Klingberg, he's like, that's some of the worst defense I have ever seen in my entirety of time covering the NHL. I was like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And the least rushed out to sign him. Yep. I mean, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you guys did. So we didn't. I wish Dallas would have made him sign that 7x7. Seven seven. I said that before, and I'll say it again. That would have been nice for him to get a nice payday and yeah, everyone else not to worry about it. I I've, I don't know. I don't get it. He's just – go do something else with your life. No offense to you, buddy. <laughs> well, I want to ask you the outsider view of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Obviously, you watched the Minnesota Wild, but everybody's got a thought on the Leafs. This is a team this year, big expectations – didn't seem to have it going. Seemed to have figured it out this week. They're three and one, not too shabby. They got a third line that can play together now. It's not discombobulated. But what are your thoughts on the Maple Leafs? And do they have a snowball chance? And you know what? To get close to Lord Stanley's mug this playoffs. Well, I think it's going to come down for Toronto in a similar fashion as to it has over the the last few seasons. They've got the dynamic offense led by Austin Matthews, one of the best, if not the best player in the NHL at this current point. And so that's obviously going to be a, that's going to be enough to give you a really, really good regular season record. But can you get the defense and the goaltending in the postseason when it counts to be able to get you past some of these other yeah. teams that will slow the pace down and um, be able to kind of shut that offense down? That, I think, is the biggest key for this team. And so, you know, are we seeing some signs of that this year? Maybe. But um, again, it's just, I think it comes down to the same question of just, do you have enough on D and between the pipes to, uh, to be able to make a big run? I think uh, Joel Wool, the AKA brick wool might be the answer here. And um, Dylan has a great video and story going viral right now. He took a video <laughs> of a guy uh, signing an actual brick. It was Joel Wool signing a brick that someone brought. So yep. that's pretty amazing. That's, it's it's going fine. Going viral for him, so that's pretty wicked. But um, I look at it and say this. I think the Leafs will make moves to shore up their defense. That is something we all can agree that they will do. Um, they're looking at uh, Zadorov right now. Um, he might be a good addition. There's all kinds of different guys. Matt Dumba on a one-year deal in Arizona. That's another guy that might move somewhere, not necessarily just to the Leafs. But, I mean, I know you've got some insight on Matt Dumba. I think he might be a good four, five, six kind of guy in Toronto, not a number one or two or three. But if you can move him down and have him play with, a, you know, a McCabe or a Geo, you know, lower in the lineup, give you some penny kill minutes, you know, don't expect a, a whole lot of them. Don't heap a whole lot of responsibility on them. You might get the best version of Matt Dumba in that position. I think he is the perfect playoff third pairing defenseman. I think he's a guy who can just bring some veteran leadership to a team. Uh, something that is surprisingly missing from the Minnesota Wild. I think his absence is more notable than people had initially thought it would yeah. be. His offense has just not been the same since his injury, but he is somebody that I think has started to learn more how to play the defensive side of the game. We saw that at the end of the season last year where he was yeah. throwing his body around a little more starting to show signs of being responsible in the D zone, which are things that he just really had never done. 
um, throughout his previous tenure. And so, I mean, if if it ends up that Arizona is not in the playoff push, which I think Wait. a lot of people are hoping that they that they will be because it's been forever for them. But yeah. if they're not, he, I think, would be a good target of somebody yeah. that can just come in and just be solid. Not going to be flashy, but I think, you know, he just screams being that third pairing guy for a playoff team looking to make a run. Yeah, absolutely. We've always been linked to him for some weird reason. And I, he's a great player. He's he's adapted well to his his roles along the way. And uh, obviously, you know, firsthand of how he's how he's played. Um, he's not afraid to throw the body either, even though I don't think he's the biggest guy in like in any team. So um he would be a great addition. You're right. Listen, I'm all for the least making some moves and wheeling and dealing here. I think it won't happen until closer to the trade deadline where, you know, numbers are down and stuff like that. But if the Leafs are still an LTI relief, which they will be, it really doesn't matter because it's body in, body out at that point. So, I mean, they'll they'll make moves like they did last year and bring some things in. But I am looking forward to this weekend. It's going to be a spectacle. Uh, obviously the NHL is showing out with the teams that they got up there. Uh, I do hope Cappy and co have a good game, just not against the Leafs. And, uh, my friend, I thank you very much, Seth. I, I messaged you today. We got rolling today to get this done. Um, I'd like to have you back on towards the end of the season, see where Minnesota's at and just uh, catch up again, my friend, but I appreciate you taking the time with us. Absolutely guys. It was a blast. Uh, enjoy the games this weekend. It's fun for me, me because too. I can, get up in the morning and just uh, flip the games on and just watch college football and NFL the rest of the day. Yeah, that's can, true. How can you beat it? Maybe, oh, you Steve, man. Uh, hopefully I can wake up in time for that one. <laughs> I work after, I work <laughs> afternoon. What so what it's a so big early. problem. Oh yeah, I guess. Okay. The afternoon work. I, I, I go to a big problem having to wake up. Well, I go to sleep at like three o'clock in the morning and it starts at eight. So yeah, that makes that's it a little fun. tricky. Okay. I'll uh, give, I'll give you that one, Dylan. All right, well, Seth, again, thank you very much for making the time. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, you know what this is. It's Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and now Minnesota come to talk.